Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. Today we're doing a, a brand new series called Money and Sense. If you were here last Sunday, I said, I'm going to talk about something that a lot of pastors don't like to talk about, it, but it's important. And if you're a first-time guest, I don't want you to feel like, man, what did I just walk into? You're okay. Because I, I wanted to talk about money for the next three weeks. There's five Sundays in the, in the month of October. So for three weeks, we're going to talk about this subject of money. And the next two weeks, we're going to talk about something totally different. But I want to talk about, not because I want you, because after service, I'm going to declare that every single person gave me $10,000 after service. If not, don't ever come back here. I'm not going to do that at all. But I want to talk about it because money, the Bible talks about money. Throughout the whole Bible, it talks about money. And if it's important to God, it's important to us. Amen? So if God talks about it throughout the Bible, if Jesus talked about giving and he, te- and he speaks about money, then it has to be talked about today in our life. And so we talked about money and sense because we want to make sense of the way God looks at money. The way God speaks about money. I'm not going to talk about what Wall Street says. I'm not going to talk about what, what other money guru would say. I'm going to talk about what God says in the word of God. Amen. What does he say? That's why we said, we called it money and sense. And the tagline is money, God's way. Not money, Pastor Sam's way, Pastor Alex's way. No, no, money, God's way. What does God have to say about money? Because money makes it very uncomfortable in the church. It brings doubt. It brings fear. Whenever someone comes and talks about money, people get uncomfortable because of the history of abuse that had happened. And I want to say I'm sorry that there's been scandals. There's been other televangelists. There's been other people that have abused this thing called money. And therefore, people have a hard time looking at church and money. I remember growing up, uh, they would make fun of me because sometimes, you know, my shoes would be dirty or something, and they would say things like, man, you should tell the people in your church to give more offerings so that your dad can buy you new shoes. They, they would say stuff like that because in their mind, they think, oh, it's because the pastor needs money. And to be honest, it's not that every time you give, it's not to me, you're giving to the Lord. I don't take the, I don't go after church and look at the offering buckets and take all the money. What can I get? No, no. That goes to back to the church. It goes back to the Lord. I don't touch that money. I don't even know how much you give. Because that's not about that. We get these bad, you know, feelings about money in church. Why? Because in the Middle Ages, they call it the Dark Ages. What would happen? The priests were abusing the people. They would talk, I don't know if you know about indulgences. Indulgences in the Middle Ages was the priest would say, give me a lump sum of money and I will get your sins forgiven with God. Or give me a lump sum of money and I'll make sure that I'll take your sister out of purgatory. That's how the priests would abuse in the Catholic Church the people. And they would go and they would say, give me money and I'll do this for you. Give me money and I'll talk to God for you. Because in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, what did they say? What did they think? They thought that the Catholic Church, they thought that the priest was the gatekeeper, gatekeeper to the Lord. That only, that, that's why if you look in old history, the Catholic Church had more power than kings and queens. But in the middle of all that, they were abusing it. 
And that's where we get this culture of thinking like church and money doesn't come together and church and money is a bad thing. When the reality is just like Pastor was talking about, Pastor Alex, there is a blessing that comes with giving to the Lord. There's something that comes out of me releasing what God has given me in my life. Not because God is selfish, but because God is trying to teach us that it's not about just singing, it's also about giving. I'm not just worshiping God with my lips, I'm worshiping God with my hands. That's why I wanted to do this for the, just for the first three weeks of October. We're going to talk about it, and then we'll move on. But I wanted to talk about this because I want us to understand what the Bible says about money. I promise you, in these next three Sundays, you're not going to hear me say one time, hey, after church, I need a million dollars from you. Or you can't be a member of ICM. You're not going to hear me say that. You're not going to hear me say, hey, after church, when I'm at the door, I want a slip of five. When you shake my hand like a drug dealer, I want the five. No. You're not going to see me do that. But I am going to talk about it because a lot of times, that's why I've said, pastors, they're afraid to talk about this subject because they're afraid of what people are going to say. And I don't want to be that pastor that's afraid. If I'm going to preach the Bible, I'm going to preach the whole Bible. I'm going to talk about everything, if that's okay with you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15. We're going to start off in verses 7 through 10. Deuteronomy 15 7 through 10. It says this, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard hearted or tight fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. As we start off this series, I want to talk about it's all about the heart. That time my message is, it's all about the heart. Because money is more of a heart issue than it is a spending issue. Money has to do more with the person than it does with their job. You work very hard for your money. Some of you make a lot of money. Some of you make pretty good money. It doesn't matter how much you make, but you make money. And the Bible talks about what it looks like to have a heart because the Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and, play, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. It doesn't say that money is bad. It says for the love of money. People get it twisted sometimes. They think, oh, because you make a lot of money, there's something wrong with you. No, get the paper. Do the business, make the money. That's not the problem. The problem is when our love for money becomes more than God. And money becomes the idol of my life. To where money gets the attention of my family suffering. Money gets the attention and everything else is suffering. That's when it becomes a problem. So I want to talk about the heart today because the heart, the Bible says in uh, the book of Ezekiel, that is the most deceitful out of all things. And if we can get the right heart, we'll see the right results. Amen? 
So the first thing I want to talk about is this. We need to learn to deal with a selfish heart. We have to deal with a selfish heart. I want to go back to verses. uh, I want to read it one more time. Verses 7 through 9. Let's read it one more time. But, there, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. This is what they're talking about. In those, in, in the, during that time in the Old Testament, every, think of, look at this, every seven years, that year, the seventh year, you would be released of your debts. You would have no more debts. How many of you can be like, be like, Pastor, can we bring that back to the United States? Every seven years, I wouldn't want my debts canceled. All the school loans, all the debts, whatever it is, debt, whatever debt you credit card, I think we need to bring it back, God, please. Every seven years, I wouldn't mind. Because that's what would happen. All the debts would be canceled. And so what he's saying is, don't be so tight-fisted because the year of canceling debts is coming. In other words, people didn't want to lend to the poor because they're like, for what? Their debts are going to be paid. Why am I going to give them money? Why am I going to help someone out when the, the year's about to start? And they're all their debts are going to, he says, don't be like, because it's not about that. It's about the heart. Whenever, you have to understand that whenever God, oftentimes when God is testing you with money, it's to make sure that you are, that money is only, has a place in your hand and not in your heart. God wants to make sure that money has a place in your hand and not in your heart. Because money in the hand is a tool. Money in the heart is poison. It's a tool. It's a tool to help other people. It's a tool to be a blessing to someone that can't do what you do. It's a tool to give to the Lord. It's a tool, but when money is in the heart, it becomes poison to your soul. It becomes poison to your soul. That's why it's important, church, to understand. You will know how selfish you are the moment that money comes to picture in your life. You will find out how selfish you can be. And if we're going to have the right heart, then we must deal with the selfishness that we have. Fact. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says this. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, that wherever your heart is, there is your treasure as well. I mean, wherever your treasure is, there is your heart as well. He said that in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is as well. In other words, your treasures determine your worship. They determine your worship. Um, And here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that after today, I want you to empty out your bank account and give it to all these other people. I'm not saying that either because you got a family to take care of. Your family comes before everybody else if you did not know that yet. That would be that would be me giving you wisdom. And what I mean by wisdom is W-I-S-D-U-M-B. That'll get to you. Some of you will get that later. That, would be, that, that wouldn't be very smart. But what I am saying is that when you learn to deal with a selfish heart and have a heart, Lord, that, that, that is generous, a generous heart, when you begin to give, it will drive out all the selfishness and greed that we carry on the inside. When you learn to give... Through my whole life, my dad taught us to be generous. So anytime I had money and I, if, if my friends couldn't buy lunch or they couldn't afford something, if I had the money, I was going to help them. If I had the money, I don't know how many, throughout my whole life, how many times I paid for people's lunches. Not because I wanted something for them, from them. I w- it, here's what happened. I would never tell the person that I would buy their lunch, hey, you got me next time? Because people do that all the time. Hey, I'll buy your lunch, but next, next Tuesday, it's on you. That is, that is when giving becomes pointless. You don't give so that someone can owe you. You give to be a blessing to other people. You'll never hear me say, oh, you better give offering or Pastor Alex, because if not, I'm not going to go pray for you. You'll never hear me say that. I'm not going to go visit you in the hospital. Now, I've, I wouldn't say that. That would be stupid of me. But we have to learn, church, that if you can get to a rhythm where you are defeating and you are overcoming your selfish heart, it will drive out all the greed that might be in there. It will drive out all the selfishness that might be in there when you learn to do the opposite of what your flesh wants to do. Because your flesh will tell you Oh, it's because of the economy. Oh, because of inflation. I'm not going to give. Oh, I'm not going to help this person because, you know, I got these things happening. Your flesh will tell you that. But the spirit in the kingdom of God works very different than our world. Works in a different way. But we must learn to deal with a selfish heart. We must also learn to deal with a grieving heart. And the Bible says this. I want us to read verse 10, 15, 10. It says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. In other words, if you learn to give from the right heart, God will bless you. He will bless you. When you learn to give, the reason why so many people grieve when they lose or they, like they give money is because they think that they lo- they're losing something. Like, oh man, I, God, you're telling me to give this to this person? That's a hundred bucks I could have used for Starbucks for the whole week. 
But many times people have a grieving heart because they feel like they lost and the enemy will make you think that you made a mistake. Because sometimes what happens is this, we'll give to the Lord or we'll, we'll, the Lord will deal with us in a way and, and we'll give to somebody in need and we'll help and then something bad happens and the devil will tell you, whispering in your ear, you see, look what happens when you give. This happens. You see, look what happens when you did this. This happens. And so the enemy will come to make you feel like what you did was a sin and what you did wasn't worth it. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not what you should do. The enemy will do that when you have, and that's why it brings grief to people. They don't want to do it because they're like, man, I, look what happened. I gave this and now I'm left with this, God. God, I, I'm giving you this. Can I tell you something about our God? Our God is a multiplier. He's a multiplier. Look at the kids with the five loaves and the two fish. What happens? He multiplied it. Anytime you trust God with your money, he will multiply it more than you think. And just like you put a seed in the ground, maybe at first it doesn't look like nothing, but it produces something. And I'm here to encourage people that have grieving hearts when they give. And they feel like, oh man, I don't want to do this, God. And oh man, I don't, I don't want to do this, Lord. L understand that every time you do this, the Lord will bless you with the right hearts. He will bless you. He'll bless you. Never forget, even when I was in Pittsburgh, we gave a certain amount of money to some. I gave a certain amount of money to someone. And it was a pretty good amount. I'm not going to lie. This is where the grieving part I was dealing with. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, Lord, you asked me to do this for this person. So I gave a, a good amount of money. A couple of weeks later, and we're in a night of prayer. And in the, night, in the middle of our all-night prayer, a man comes up to me. It was like around four in the morning. I'm just trying to keep my eyes open because all night prayer is awesome, but it's no joke. And he says, hey, I was praying in the back and um, the Lord was, kept telling me to do this, so I'm just going to do it. And he gives me a large sum of cash. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, this thing actually works. Because when you learn to give, when you learn to give in obedience, the Lord will give back. I'm not trying to get you. Amen. Yeah. These are the things that, for, that's why I said it's, it's so hard sometimes to talk about this because people have a different mindset because no, you, you don't know what you don't know. That's the, that's the truth. You don't know what you don't know. So people have a mindset that church and money, God and money is, is like this pyramid scheme that I'm trying to get you to do. I'm not trying to do any kind of pyramid scheme, go find three people and, you know, the list goes on and on. And I'm not trying to do any kind of pyramid scheme. This is what the Bible says. So we must learn to deal with a selfish heart and a grieving heart and we must develop a generous heart. We have to learn to develop a generous heart. The Bible says this, 
I'm going to go to verse 14. Let's go to 15, verse 14. Deuteronomy 15, 14 says this. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty which the Lord your God has blessed you. I want to stop right there. When, God, when they're commanding the people to do that in the book of Deuteronomy, he's trying to get the people to understand that, hey, you need to learn to develop a generous heart. A generous heart. I don't know about you, but because we are born with selfishness, that's why we have to teach kids to share. Ever had that problem with your kid when they were small? Share. No, I don't want to. Share. I like this. This is mine. You know, they, they go back and forth. If you have siblings or you have kids, multiple kids, you see it all the time. You have to correct them and tell them, hey, share with this person or share with that person. Because we, 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 we're born selfish. We're born with this belongs to me. This is mine. I deserve this and this and that. And we have to teach as little kids to learn to share. To learn to share. But God is asking us to develop a generous heart, church. A heart that is open to sharing. A heart that says, God, I want to bring glory to your name and I will share. I will help this person. I will help this family. Whatever, the, whatever it is that we would develop a generous heart. In fact, Elisha had this thing. I want you to go to 2 Kings. Read a story real quick. 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. Bible says this. 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. says this. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried, out. My husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I help? What, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in, your, in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on whatever is left over. Whatever is left over. We see a story here where Elisha instructs this woman because you have to understand some of the stories like this. When you, if you were a woman in those times and your husband died, basically you were left to die. Because the men were the ones that were providing during those times. So she's telling Elisha, my husband who served the Lord is dead. And now we're suffering. Now we have all these debts. Now we have all these problems. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what to do. And she goes to Elisha. And what I love about Elisha, he points a picture that we can follow. 
He doesn't tell the girl, well, sorry, the struggle's real. Inflation. I'll be praying for you, though. He doesn't do that. He carried an anointing to lift this girl out of poverty. In other words, God has created me and you to meet needs, not always be in need. God has given us the ability to help other people. God has created us to be people that are generous, to be people that are a blessing, not a curse to other people. I would hate for you to be that person that when you step in a room, everyone's like, oh my gosh, here we go. They're going to ask for money. Andan pidiendo todo el tiempo. Oh, that, that, there's that person. They're going to ask me for five bucks because they want Starbucks. You know, I don't know. I think I just, I just want coffee. That's why I keep talking about it. I would hate for you to have that identity that you're always the person that's asking, asking, asking. No, God created you to meet needs, not be in need. God created you to be a blessing. God created you to be generous. I'm not saying that you got to give someone $50,000 today. But what I am saying is when there is a need, God has given you the ability to give, to fill it. It's not just about, man, I'll be praying for that family that's living in poverty. It's what can we do to help the person that can't do it? You don't have to be, you don't have to have a million dollars in the bank account to be generous. Whether it's a dollar, five dollars, five hundred, whatever it is that the Lord puts in your heart. The point is this church is that we would have a heart that is generous. That we would have a heart that would, that whenever there's a need, whenever there's a widow that says, man, we are suffering. Hey, let me help you. When, when, even if it's, whether it's a family member or they're not a family member, don't matter. But that we would have a heart that is generous to others. And that is something that must be developed. And you can't develop it without putting it into action. Just like muscles. You don't get muscles unless you work out. It's the same thing with giving. You will not learn to be a giver until you start giving some way, somehow. Until money becomes a tool in your hand. Because money is a tool. I don't know if you understand that. It is a tool to be a blessing. Church, we are blessed to bless other people. And money can be a tool for other people. Money in your hand can be a tool to help families. Money in your hand can be a tool to give to an organization. Money in your hand can be a tool. It doesn't have to be poison in your heart. It could be a tool for your life. Timothy said it best. He said, money is so unreliable. Money, when you die, doesn't go with you. It is an afterthought in heaven. You don't even think about money in heaven. But as long as we're in this earth, God has called us to be generous. It's all about the heart, church. May we be people that develops generous hearts. Amen? Amen. The last point is this. We must develop a grateful heart. A grateful heart. I want you to go to verse 15. 
Deuteronomy 15 and 15 says this. It says, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. God is saying, I'm commanding you to do this. And before he says, this is the command, you need, he says, you must remember. You must remember. Church, before you ever had a relationship with Jesus, before we ever gave our life to Jesus, we were nothing. We were nothing without Christ. When God saved you out of your old life, there was nothing for you in that old life. Can we agree with that? Amen. It was nothing. Before you ever gave your life to Jesus, there was nothing compared to what it is to have a relation with Jesus. It was nothing. For Paul, his old life and his new life, drastic changes. And for Paul in the New Testament, he counted it all a gain to, to have Christ in his life. It was a gain to him. Everything else was meaningless. Before we ever really committed to the Lord, everything else was meaningless. We wasted money on a lot of meaningless things. We did a lot of meaningless, we made meaningless decisions. Some of you in this room, before Christ, you were depressed and addicted, but because you met Jesus, you've been set free on your whole by the grace of God. By the grace of God. There's a lot of people in this room that God saved you. He took you out of things that should have killed you. But because his love for he took you out and now look at you. Now look at you. You're smiling more than you've ever smiled before. You're not sad. You're not going to the bars every weekend because you're trying to forget everything that happens. No, God did something new to you. He gave you a new perspective. He took you out of the pit because that's how awesome our God is. That's how amazing he is. And if we're going to develop a grateful heart, it starts by remembering. Remembering that before Christ, remembering that, man, God, I remember. You're not in the Old Testament. You, you weren't a slave in Egypt. But you might have been a slave to a lot of sins in your life. But God took you out of it. When nobody else could have helped you, God helped you. I think so many times we, we, we do a good job to forget. We emphasize forgetting because we should forget. But we spend so much time forgetting that we forget to also remember. To remember the goodness of God in our life. To remember that it is because of him we have this job, the job that you have. Because of God's grace and God's love, you have a family. You have kids, you have a house, an apartment, wherever you live. By the grace of God. By the grace of God, there are people in this room when you started your business with nothing. Look at you now. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Only God could have done that. No man, no government could have done that. Nobody, only God. 
by the grace of God, you're here. By the grace of God, you've been healed. You've been restored. There were things in your life that were broken, but by the grace of God, he restored it. You need to remember that, church, because that will develop a grateful heart. When you begin to remember just how good God's been, even when you rejected him and you disobeyed and you wanted to do your own thing, God came back. When you came back to the Lord, what he do? He forgave you. People aren't always easy to forgive. And people have a hard time forgiving others. But God doesn't. We create that in our minds to think that, man, God can't forgive me for this. This was really bad. This decision I made was really bad. God can't. We create those scenarios because in the Bible, it doesn't talk about that. Church, may we remember a heart that is grateful to the Lord. You don't have to wait till New Year's or to, for Thanksgiving to say, God, thank you for it. No, no. You can thank him every single day. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you will continue to be a part of our ICM family.